Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by Floor and Decor. Largest selection of hard surface flooring and lowest prices guaranteed. Rick, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. How can I help you? Well, good. How are you? Listen, I'm calling to find out if I can lay tile. I'm putting it on a floor. It's a plank tile. looks like wood. Um, over wood. And I think I, I think I have to put down mason, uh, like hardy board or something like that. But if I don't have to, I want to know if that's a process I can use without doing that. It, it, the old floor, is it one of those that ha- it's a finished floor that's there now? It's a or finished it a- floor, but I'm take, I've taken that up. It's all, it was all uh, laminate flooring. Okay. And I've taken that up, but underneath it, the subfloor is, you know, kind of clean. In some areas, I have to clean it up. In other areas, by, you know, filling it with something, you know, to, to make sure the gaps aren't, aren't there. But I want to find out if I can put tile over that. Right. But what is the subfloor? Is it plywood or planks or what plywood, is it? It's plywood and plank. Just, yeah, part of it's plank and part of it's plywood. Okay. Most of it's plywood. You can get away with putting tile down on plywood. The problem that you're going to run into is typically, it's when you're dealing with a big room or, or anything, the plywood has just a little bit of give to it. And so when you put the tile on there, if that plywood gives it all when you walk on it, the tile will tend to crack. That's okay. the reason you typically have to put another layer on to make it stiffer. And the concrete backer board uh, just gives it that much more protection, and it, it does adhere better to the concrete backer board. Right. But if you're asking me, is it a total must? No, it it all depends on the subfloor. If if you're dealing with a uh, subfloor that's already been beefed up, go over it. But if yeah, you're dealing with one that's a single layer and it's only like a five eighths plywood, uh, that's you're going to run into trouble. The as you walk on that floor, that right. tile will eventually right. crack. I'm just going to put it out. I mean, I just make, make sure. Then the other question is, on that kind of planking, on that ceramic planking, we're buying it from Home Depot, what's the recommended gap for that? I mean, I know it's aesthetic, whatever you like. Yeah. But you know, some of the work I've done, like I do in my bathroom, this is for my mother. Um, we're putting her into a, uh, a, you know, a single story of a condo. Um, and I, when I do the bathrooms, I don't have, I have a very thin, and that doesn't seem to hold well. So the, one bathroom I did had a, I think probably an eighth uh, of, a, of a gap for the tile on the wall. Well, right. the flooring, I'm assuming the same type of thing. I want to get enough so it's not going to be, it still looks like little, you know, replicates the wood look, but, sure. you know, it's a true thin to, to have it chipping out. Well, when the thinner the line determines what type of grout you use, and when you get into those real thin lines, you have to use a grout that's non-sanded. Um, And it's just a real cream to to sink down in there better. On the the wood-type floors, normally they are trying to go with a thinner line. But honestly, I've seen some of them where they're using uh, the eighth and quarter-inch gaps. And if you use a uh, darker-colored grout, it actually looks pretty good. Okay. Don't don't go with a real light-colored grout. Oh, no, because no, no. I'm going to go they, with the darkest color grout I can get into. Yeah, because right. they, they start looking nasty pretty quick. But the darker right. grouts on those wood floors, uh, on the wood tile look floors, actually looks very good. I personally probably wouldn't go over an eighth inch wide, maybe a three sixteenths, but that, that'd yeah, be my max. Eight. Right. I think an eighth is about it. But yeah. 
Yes. So and then, then my, my question is, is that a popular, I mean, is that still, you know, I mean, we're looking at it because there's no, it's easy to clean. There's water damage, doesn't do anything. So, you know, I mean, it's just like, it's, it's kind of impervious. The, the, the popularity of it is still growing rapidly uh, to the point where, you know, they're making planks out of it five feet long now. Really? Yeah. Uh, go go over to Floor and Decor and take a look at some of theirs. You're going to find, one, you're probably going to get it for less money there. Two, they have a much larger selection. And they've got some there now that are six <laughs> inch wide and five feet long that are, uh, you cannot tell it that's not a wood plank. Wow. Okay, well, I will do that today. All righty. Well, Rick, you have well, a thank wonderful you very weekend. Much. Been a big help. I appreciate it. You bet. We have nice wooden blinds, but they are old, and some of the strings and pulleys are not functioning well. It is difficult to open and close some blinds. Can I learn to repair them myself? And if I hire someone to repair them, whom should I hire? Thanks, Don. I got to be honest, Don. I don't know anybody who does that. Um, I'm sure there are people out there who do it because I know on my RV I had to have it done before and I just took it to the RV place and they did it. But for the ones at the house, uh, truthfully, I don't know anybody who does it. Can you learn to do it yourself? Absolutely. The bigger thing is going to be if it's just the string that runs down the middle for pulling the blinds up and down or if it's the ones that are kind of put together like a ladder uh, that the blinds actually sit on, and I, I don't know that from the from the email, but either way, yes, it, it you can learn to do it. It's just very time consuming, very tedious. Charlie, how can I help you? Uh, Jim, I've got a problem with one of my toilets. That every time I flush it, I'm getting a very high frequency whistle coming from it. What in the wide world of sports could cause that? Uh, and and it's, it doesn't last long term. It's just while the water's fully flowing, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. You've got a washer in the valve that is uh, moving when the water's flowing by it, and it in creates the, a whistle. Inside the float valve? Uh, it's going to either be in the float valve or the valve under the toilet. And more than likely, it's the valve under the toilet. Okay. You know, the shutoff valve uh, in the wall. Oh, valve, yeah, okay. Yeah. I'm, my mind's going, I'm saying, wait a minute, I don't have anything under, directly underneath the toilet. <laughs> yeah, I could tell you were trying to think about it, but yeah, it's the shutoff valve under the toilet. More than likely, that's where it's at. I got to tell you, if you change your bulbs to LED, you're going to be amazed at how much energy savings you're going to have. You know, our air conditioning and heating typically accounts for about 60-65% of our utility bills. Then the water heater is another 15 to 20%. And your lights and TV and stuff like that make up the rest. So you're talking 20, 25% in just lights and, you know, refrigerators, things like that. Amazingly enough, when I changed my house from incandescent and LED or uh, fluorescence, and went strictly LED, we say we had a good 15% drop in our energy usage. And now we leave lights on more so than we ever did because they use so little power. It's just it's just not something that you have to worry about. So 
uh, I highly recommend if if you're looking for ways to save on your energy bills and you're having to change bulbs anyways, go to LED bulbs. And if you got those those pesky fixtures that you're constantly having to change bulbs out on because they keep burning out, the LED bulbs, because uh, I had some of those in my house, and I've had LED bulbs for almost two years now and have not had any issues at all. It's well worth taking a look at the change to LED bulbs. And hello, Christina. Welcome, or Christine, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Hello. Thanks for taking my call. You bet. Hey, I bought a newly built townhome about six months ago. Okay. And I'm noticing there are deck railings that are metal outside. Uh-huh. And what I'll call the footing, the little like four-inch square that tacks down to the deck, is starting to show rust. They're painted a gray, so I'm assuming they're painted in a metal paint. So I'm just starting to see the rust. And I'm wondering, is there a cheater way I can clear coat them or limp them along? I mean, I realize I think I probably need to repaint them, but I'm thinking, oh, is there something out there I could just spray on it to keep it from rusting more? Not really. <sighs> so sand it because, down and repaint? Yeah, because anytime it starts, I mean, there are rust inhibitors that you can put on it. But they're going to look like paint, and so they're going to look like heck on there. Uh, the best thing you can do is sand it down, and you know you got to especially take care where any rust is to sand it down. Then you need to put a rust inhibitor on it. Then it can be primed and painted. So that's three separate products. Yep. And can I do a section, or do I need to do the whole railing? No, you should be able to do a section. Now, the the, the trick on doing it in a section is just to, the color match. Uh, but once you got the the paint for whatever you're going to paint the thing, the color match will it'll, that'll that'll be for, from here forward. Okay. Okay, I'm going to go chase some rust. Ah, <laughs> uh, have fun. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> bye bye. Bye bye. Uh, you know that that. The, the the pride of home ownership. We all think we're going to buy a house and then we're done. And quite frankly, that's when the work starts because no longer do you pick up the phone and call the landlord and say, hey, this needs to be fixed. Now all those little things that you thought needed to be taken care of, guess who gets to take care of them? Eric, welcome to WBAP. Hey, Jim. Thanks for taking my call. You bet. Hey, I've got... I've got this ha- house that is uh, 19, built in the 60s, uh, 1963, and uh, it's got a walk-up porch. The whole house is brick, uh, made with these skinny bricks, and I'm considering just trying to, upda- trying to update the front of my house, specifically the walk-up porch, and it insets about four feet, and it's probably eight feet long, has a window in it. Uh, into the living room and then the front door is on the side. The question that I have is I'd like to put some kind of wood facade on it that kind of makes it look a little more modern. Uh, kind of a, uh, you know, stained wood is what I was thinking about. Uh, cedar okay. or the redwood look of some sort. And I just would like to know how would you go about attaching something like that in a nice way that would look proper and look good on the front of a house attaching it to brick i'd take the brick off oh really yeah okay 
Uh, and actually, I probably wouldn't take all the brick off. I, I'd leave like the bottom three feet, or maybe I'd. Let me go back. If it was mine and you're wanting to make that change, take the brick off the area that you want it off and probably come up the first, say, three feet with stone because stone is what is modern right now, and then uh -huh. the rest of it with the wood. That way you're still utilizing the brick ledge. You're getting your wood back onto the studs where it belongs, uh, and really that's the way the house would have been built had it been done that way you know, originally. Uh, okay, okay. Where the let's just say if we're coming out from a wall and, and the wall turns the corner onto the front of the house uh, from that interior wall, right. where the wood meets that brick front wall, how would you make that transition there? You're probably going to have to uh, cut the brick to bring it back, even with your wood siding, and then you you would just use a trim board on the end. Okay. Okay. Very good. Very good. All right. Well, I appreciate that, Jim. That'll you're, save you're, me a lot of hassle. You're, you're getting ready. Oh, no. I didn't save you a lot of hassle. Man, I just gave you a list of hardcore work to do. <laughs> yeah. Well, if I was going to do it myself, I was just considering putting it all over top of it. And I'm like, wow. Uh, you know, if I would have done that, that might have been a really bad mistake. Yeah, you it, you would never make it look right just going over the top of it. Okay. All right. Well, now I know what to do. Thanks a lot, Jim. You bet. Take care, Eric. Ray, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Okay, I got a quick question about plumbing. Uh, tell you a story, a short one. It, uh, during the last freeze, uh, I, apparently the water froze up. I said, oh, dear, we're going to have a leak somewhere. Um, it thawed out. But there's no leak anywhere. Okay. I've looked in the attic. I've looked on the side of the house. I've looked everywhere. But we got low water pressure. Do you have any ideas on that? Yes. You you didn't get any leaks, but what happened was it broke loose a lot of the buildup that was in the pipes. Yeah. And that's plugging up somewhere. Uh, is it low pressure everywhere or just in some areas? Well, it seems like we got... Decent pressure in the kitchen, but in the back bedroom, bath, and everything, it was not the same. Yeah. It's like a low pressure reserve. Do I need to blow it out, or what's, what's your thought? Well, uh, the first thing I would do is check my aerators, you know, un un undo those, and make sure that they're not full of gunk right now. Okay, and that includes the uh, shower heads? Yep. Yeah, because okay. a lot of shower heads, if you take off the shower head up where, where the... the where it comes out of the head there, uh, there's a, actually a screen there that can catch all the stuff. I see. And, and I bet once uh, you do that, you're going to have good flow again. Okay. Well, on the next big freeze, I heard we we're having a rumor, um, keeping the pipes warm. Uh, we wrapped them up, but they, like, again, I don't know where they froze at. Uh, yeah. Well, it really it's, only takes uh, one spot for them to freeze. And, yeah. and, you know, if it's the right spot, one little freeze plug cuts off the entire house. Yeah. Okay. I will watch it, and hopefully we won't uh, We'll put that, uh, what is it, uh, groundhog on the barbecue pit <laughs> and be done with it. I appreciate your advice. You bet, Ray. You take care. All right.
And again, 713-212-5874. And yeah, I mean, yes, we, we had some freezing weather. And, and, and we're, we're always subject to have another freeze sooner or later. But let's face it, in Houston, it just don't happen that often. And just because your pipes freeze doesn't mean it's going to break. But you really stand a good chance if you've got copper or the old galvanized pipes that they will break during a freeze. Uh, but if if they didn't break and you're not having good flow out of some of the fixtures, it is normally nothing more than the buildup inside the pipes broke loose during the freeze. And actually, that's probably in the long run a good thing for you because it helps clean out the pipes a little bit. But the problem is in the short run, it's clogging everything up. And that's that's where you got to clean out the the aerators, which is just unscrew all the little screens off the bottom of the faucets or, you know, where the water comes out and uh, spigots. Clean them out, put it back on, and it'll flow again. Now, before you put them back on, turn the faucets on and let the water free flow just to anything that might be in there still to, to push it on out. And uh, that, that helps just so when you put it all back together, it doesn't just immediately plug up again. When we left, I was talking with Barbara, and she's got a list of things she needs to do. Uh, she's got a live oak tree that could be causing some movement on the foundation, some drainage issues, sprinkler system out in the yard that needs to be addressed, some wavy hardwood floors, and wants to replace the water pipes in the home. And you mentioned, Barbara, that you want to do that before you replace sheetrock. Did you have water get into the home? Because you, you said no, you didn't, but then... I didn't, but I did in various electrical projects and whatever, my house looks like a pincushion in gotcha. terms of uh, uh, things that need to replace in terms of she uh, sheetrock. Okay. And I'm assuming this is a, a block and base or pier and beam home? Uh, you have a crawl uh, space under it? No, I do not. It's a slab. It is a slab. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, then, and the reason I asked that, because of the wavy hardwood floors, oh, uh, you know, okay. whether it was water going underneath or water into the concrete. So really with the items that you're talking about, uh, if you're going to put the sheetrock back in place, yeah, let's, mm -hmm. let's address the water pipes. Uh, you got two choices there. One is to take a look at having PEX pipes put in, which is a poly pipe. Uh, that can be snaked down through the walls. And since you already got holes in there, it may be that that's the less expensive way to go uh, since you're already going to be doing sheetrock repairs. The other would be to look at a system called E-pipe. Now, E-pipe is where they actually take all the fixtures off, sandblast through the pipes, and then put an epoxy coating inside the existing pipes. Mm -hmm. uh, it costs a little bit more up front, but you don't have all the sheetrock damage. Well, that's the reason I'm kind of, since you're already going to be doing sheetrock, you're probably better off to take a look at the PEX plumbing. And for that, you can actually call uh, Due West, and we can help you with that. Uh, I would only do that before you're ready to do the sheetrock, though. Um, and as far as the other items... Your wavy hardwood floors are more than likely being caused by the drainage issue. So let's okay. address this drainage issue to try to help maintain our floors from getting any worse. Mm -hmm. um, the live oak, I'm assuming you're talking about needing a root barrier on it. If it's large enough where the tree uh, branches are getting near the house, you can bet the roots are under the house. 
And yes, they will be causing a foundation problem. And then the last item I would address would be the sprinkler system. Uh, is this just for repairing a sprinkler system or installation? Uh, probably just repairing it. Um, okay. I don't think it needs to be um, to be replaced. Any idea what might be wrong with it? Um, no, probably. Uh, I have absolutely no idea. I was gone for a couple of years and pretty much closed up the house, and it could be just things uh, uh, as a result of non-use for a while. Yeah, and, and you know, if that's the case, it could be that you're only talking a couple couple hundred dollars to fix the sprinkler system. So, you know, if, if we're talking installation of one, that would have been last on my list. But if we're talking about simply uh, having to have it checked and repaired, I would put that in any place where you've got time to put it. But as far as the other things, drainage first, because that's causing other problems with your wood floors. Mm-hmm. Uh, address the root barrier to keep the foundation from moving. Let's get those water pipes replaced before you do the sheetrock. So whenever you're going to do the sheetrock... And the hardwood floors, after you do the drainage, you're going to want to give it a good 6 to 12 months of air conditioning in the home and see if that doesn't help lay those floors down again. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. Okay. There's a possibility I could save them then. There is a possibility. The sooner you get rid of the moisture, the greater mm-hmm. the possibility of saving them. Wonderful. Just one other question, and this is super helpful because I just had no idea which to do first. And that is, now this root barrier, is that something if they're already, the roots are already under the house? Um, well, can I still use a root barrier? Or Absolutely. How does that work? Yeah, what the root barrier does is actually you, you dig a trench between the tree and the house mm-hmm. and drop a plastic barrier in there so the tree roots don't just grow back to the house again. Uh, the 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 root barriers I install are 36 inches deep, so mm-hmm. you don't have to worry about roots just growing under it because most tree roots are in the top 18 inches. Okay. And when you do the foundation, then what happens to the roots that are? Well, well I guess they wouldn't go through the concrete, right? Under no, the no, they 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 just run run around underneath there. But what causes the problem is the tree roots will start taking out moisture. And as the moisture is taken out of the soil, the soil consolidates and you'll start getting settlement. Uh, a lot of people worry that, oh, those tree roots are going to deteriorate down there and cause the house to move. Well, it's just the opposite because the moisture builds back up into the soil. So the soil is trying to expand. So if the tree roots do tend to deteriorate, the void is filled by the expanding soil. I see. Okay. Got it. So they don't have to come out. I mean, you don't have to pull them out or anything. No, not at all. Uh, at all. So, okay. So then the foundation would be done after the root barrier then? Well, do you have a foundation problem right now? Um, I believe so, yes. De- it would depend on how bad the foundation is. If you're catching it where the foundation is just starting to move, say you're only down you know, three quarters of an inch or an inch, mm-hmm. a lot of times the root barrier is all you need and it'll correct the, the problem. If really? you're down okay. if you're down an inch and a half, two, three, four inches, then yeah, you mm-hmm. need foundation repair. Okay. The fact uh, that you're saying you're not sure indicates to me that the root barrier probably will fix the problem. Wonderful. Well, this is all good news, and the waves uh, being fixed is also good news. So do us would do the root barrier? With, we can take care of the root barrier, the drainage, 
the plumbing, all of it. Wonderful. All right, I'll give you all a call then. Thank you all so right. very much. You bet. Take care. Bye-bye. You've just heard the best calls and questions from Texas Home Improvement. For more information about our show, go to THIPro.com. 